Welcome on to a yearly tradition here at Dunked On, where we go back, hold ourselves accountable, and take a look at what we thought initially of the 2021 East Off Seasons and update our grades, see where we went right, where we went wrong, fold in some of the stuff that happened later in some of these off seasons as well, including rookie scale extensions or veteran extensions most commonly. And if you want to hear the Western Conference, we of course discussed that on Dunked on Prime earlier this week. Uh, There's a link to sign up for that in the show notes if you're listening on the free pod right now. We'll be got plenty more content coming this summer. We're going to do outlooks for all 30 teams. That's going to start with a local expert. And then, of course, uh, our over-under pods getting into the season. And so while we are on two days a week right now, we're doing some pretty long shows. And we're also, I think, doing more content than basically any other pod right now. So uh, I encourage you to sign up for Dunked on Prime. Let's get to work here, Danny. We well, let's let's yeah. do the criteria pretty quickly. Oh, please, yeah, um, yeah. Let's uh, just that's, especially that's especially as this is a public pod. Um, I'll do the abridged version. This is not business school. A C is average. So if a team gets a C, that is not a scathing indictment of what they did. B is above average. A the A range is very good. So on and so forth with D and F. Also, this is an organization grade, meaning if you made a coaching or general manager change, that counts. And we generally don't give much deference if the reason you didn't make a move was to save money then that you know it can be justifiable but that doesn't make it smart or good or anything else like that especially if you're then that the punishments are more severe if you're ready for contention you know if you're mediocre and you don't spend you don't go into the tax i'm generally okay with that uh, I think, and and then the other part, and this will this will lead us into the Atlanta Hawks. Is my grade is only, I mean, it's informed by what happened between the off season and now. But if it, if I thought a team had a good off season and things went poorly for them, that doesn't necessarily mean the off season is what caused it. It will reflect on it. But I think the Hawks are a great example of that. So what the Hawks did, the biggest part was retention. So Trey Young signed a max extension, four plus one, got that player option. John Collins yeah. also got also also Go got ahead. the 30% max criteria, which he then hit. Yes, so which, that, he, which he that, then uh, hit. And but that was I'm sure the Hawks are good with that. He had. Yeah. yeah. And John Collins also got, but his is a four plus one contract, not an extension. So $125 million over five years, but the last year is a player option. Kevin Herter signed a rookie scale extension for four years, $65 million in new money. Clint Capella added two years. He still had, I believe, two years left at that point. He added two years. That's right. $46 million. And then in terms of free agent signings, Lou Williams, retention, Solomon Hill, they brought in Gorgie Jang because... A Kong Wu was out to start the year, and so they needed a backup center. They drafted Jalen Johnson 20th and Sharif Cooper 48th. Then they traded Chris Dunn and Bruno Fernando plus a 23 Portland second for DeLon Wright, who then stepped into stepped into the rotation. And they chose to retain Nate McMillan, who had been the interim coach as they went on that big run and then event- a big run the regular season, then made the conference finals. And that's a lot to take in. And they had a disappointing season. My grade didn't go down that much. Yeah, Travis Schlenk was very vocal that he wished he hadn't brought everyone back. And that's kind of outcome-based decision-making for me. And I think it's particularly outcome-based decision-making because that conference finals gave everyone an unrealistic view of where this team was and what they were going to do 
this season. Now, their big problem was that they just couldn't stop anyone this year. I thought part of that was Capella and his Achilles soreness struggling early in the season not getting a Kongu back him taking a while to get up to speed and then their perimeter defense obviously was pretty atrocious and they could have done better to improve things there so I mean this team's offense was really good if they could have just had a decent-ish defense they would have been right around where I think most reasonable expectations had them and also you should just recall that the East was really good this year right the Hawks were did make the playoffs their 43 wins but it took them to only the ninth seed and they did of course uh, beat both Charlotte and the Cavs uh, to get in and it's also worth remembering as pathetic as their loss to the Heat was they were so injured by that point with Capella with John Collins barely making it back as well and yeah Trey had a really sad series maybe it would have been better if he'd had a little more firepower around him but uh, so I, I I actually wouldn't be as hard on Travis Schlenk. Also, it's like, what else were they supposed to do, right? Like, they're, these are good players that they retained. The Herder extension, he's not on the team anymore. They traded him for a first for positive value. So clearly that was a good extension. Yeah, and, they, and, if, he had, and if he had been restricted and they had done all the DeJounte Murray stuff, he, they'd probably lose him for nothing. That would be my, my inclination. Yeah. No, the, that's that's probably right. Uh, and so, uh, you know, they could have, there was talk they could have traded Danilo Gallinari. Well, they didn't do that. And then they he was important salary filler in the murray trade and you know he wasn't really in their plans this year regardless the capella extension that it's kind of like a c for me at this point in time you know let's just, let's see how he plays this year um but with the cap going up i mean if he yeah. can continue his current level of performance when he's been healthy the last two years that's fine he may just fall off that's a little bit of a concern there yeah capella's uh, 28 right now but the extension will kick in for his age 29 season yeah but that that was, i mean they kept it to two years they went yep. two years early you know, and that that's just kind of you know they put some risk on themselves we just we don't really know on that one yet i yep. mean that's why i'm kind of more making the see so I, I mean they they did take a step back last year the defense was bad well and uh, yeah okay so i'll give so for me my grade is close to what it was before but i kind of i did take some steps back for three reasons one the capella one you just brought up two i was never a huge fan of the nate mcmillan retention i understand why they did it but i just i mean there's no way they were gonna not do that though yeah so, but it's only a slight it's like it was but i just think i just don't think he's a high level nba coach like the and he's been better in atlanta than he was in some of the other stops but then the, the other big one is and this isn't me saying those guys suck well in at least more than one case. Um, but I had been pretty high on Atlanta's draft, Jalen Johnson and Sharif Cooper after summer league, their first summer league in 21. And I'm much lower on Sharif Cooper now. I mean, I, I, you know, he's he's off the team already and all that. And 48. Yeah, that, you know. That's a good reason to be lower on yeah. him. And Jalen Johnson, it, I, it was kind of a lost year. And then he didn't play in summer league because of this non-surgical procedure that he had. But when you're positive on somebody, the lack of positive or negative is a negative because you just don't you just don't get that supplementation. And we didn't have it was a small sample with him. We wasn't somebody we scouted it was just like, oh, he looks good in summer league. He has good positional size. So I went from being very high on him to being like intrigued slash high. And then if he has a good year, then, of course, I'll move him back up again. Yeah, he was. Oh, it's pretty raw. Hadn't played a lot of high-level basketball, which is part of the issue. So he, he was never going to contribute last year. He's going to have a chance to get into the rotation this year, and we'll know a lot more about him, I think, you know, even at the start of this season. If he's not in the rotation, then you start to kind of worry a little bit. So I had a B-plus for these guys initially. We have now the Capella and Herter extensions. The Herter extension was good. The failure to upgrade the defense, obviously they just didn't do enough there. 
and that's obviously something that they tried to address uh, with the Murray deal this offseason. So I have to downgrade them some, but I've just I still can't come up with what I would have done yeah. so differently for these and, guys. And especially, so, yeah. we haven't talked too much about the DeLon Wright edition. That was a good theory and yeah. good execution. I mean, they gave up. The, they got him basically for nothing for a second, and he was really good for them. Exactly. And so, like that, and they, so, and, and Schlenk, you know, again, a part of this is how did you do relative to the opportunities that you had? And I mean, the Atlanta Hawks, they were, they, I, I'm not mad that they didn't go over the tax last year. They added a very good player in DeLon Wright. They didn't do it via mid-level exception, but they brought him in and like their extensions. Yeah. So I went from an A minus to a B. Yeah. And also like they could have used the mid-level, but they had a lot of money on the books and there just wasn't really anyone that they could have acquired. Uh, yeah. I don't think who, who would have really helped help them uh, at that type of level. So yeah, I went from a, a B plus down to a B. The Celtics, this one looks way, way better. Uh, we can start with the front office and coaching situation where I think we had a healthy dose of skepticism that Brad Stevens, who had no executive experience, was replacing Danny Ainge in a shocking move. And then they brought in Ime Yudoka, well-regarded, but Brad Stevens was considered one of the best coaches in the NBA. So you had to believe, and Danny Ainge had a very good record, even if it had somewhat soured in like the last year or two. But it looks like and part of this is based on the fact that all these moves ended up turning out so well. And then also what they did during the season, Brad Stevens, really good, you know, probably should have been executive of the year, I would say, or certainly was in that discussion. Uh, and then Ime Yudoka did a really, really nice job with these guys after a rough start. So for both of those, you would have to say like, that's a level of stuff there. For sure. And to do that, in some ways, it's more impressive for people who didn't have like, I mean, Ime had really good coaching experience, just not head coach. Coaching NBA experience, so we, we we had heard that he was highly regarded and everything else like that, and his experience towards the player, and that experience as a player ended up helping him connect with the players on the team, and then Stevens. I mean, yeah, that that working out, and there are a lot of first timers at both of those roles that fail, and both of them succeeded with flying colors. And then we talked extensively about the trade that the Celtics made with the Thunder from the Thunder's perspective. I think it is a clear win from Boston's perspective, where they gave up the 16th pick which is a lot to go from Kemba Walker to Al Horford Kemba Walker who then got immediately waived by the Thunder in part because their situation was different and signed by the Knicks for basically the same amount of money um because after the buyout and but Horford was so valuable essential for the Celtics run and him having a second year which became increasingly guaranteed by virtue of how far the Celtics make it made it they're completely happy with that I thought they would have like picked it up even if it hadn't become more guaranteed so yeah. that also deal, worth noting that Horford made about 10 million less per season than Walker. Correct. And and so from Boston's perspective, 16, you know, it ended up become it became Alpern Shangun. That is a significant cost, you know, that 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 the Celtics can ever, just like any other team can use young players. But the upgrade from Walker to Horford, especially in terms of what they ended up needing to fuel this defensive identity, I think that was a fantastic trade for Boston. Yeah, and particularly identifying that Horford would be fresh uh, having been on ice uh, in Oklahoma City for most of the year. Then we can get into the extensions they had where Marcus Smart got the maximum that he could you noted on last year's pod that sometimes that makes it easier when you're just limited by the most that you can get but hilariously and that was one where like okay it's good to keep him 
you know, he clearly, I think, would have gotten more than that had he been a free agent this year, probably from the Celtics. But, you know, and I'm still not sure that's going to be a great contract by the end. But there's a championship contender. You got to keep him on the team. And hilariously, Danny, he would have been eligible for the Supermax this offseason because the defensive player of the year yeah that's right i hadn't thought about what, that what a, what a yeah those negotiations, negotiations would have been would have slightly been. more contentious even if that was never <laughs> on the table uh and then robert williams four for 54 with Woo. 48 million of that guaranteed the rest is an incentives um we were a little concerned that there that was all guaranteed and there are some injury issues he did end up breaking down by the end of the season but he showed so much potential and when he was out there it was just an absolute game changer so that's looking like actually one of the best contracts in the nba right now to get him for 13 million a year basically going forward even if he's only available part-time during that period that you're and as long as he plays in the playoffs he'll be fantastic value there yeah and a lot of the celtics other stuff wasn't you know wasn't necessarily amazing in terms of the outcomes on the floor for them they didn't give up anything of substance for josh richardson and then gave him an extra year and 12 million dollars but then richardson was an important piece of the uh, he was the salary ballast in the Derek white trade which and which yep. does not count in our grades but you know so and and richardson you know i would say he's probably considered yeah. negative value but, but get, getting a player who you know wasn't toxic salary they actually extended richardson right uh, well, as well and then you know, i'm not sure that made him more or less appealing to san antonio but it, at least it was a guy that san antonio wasn't like you know no you got to give us something for this guy right for taking on this guy and they used the taxpayer middle level on dennis schroeder a much discussed signing at the time he ended up you know getting traded and not being a huge part of what the celtics did but the opportunity cost was small they got they got out of it and then they traded chris dunn who moved you know chris dunn moving a billion times in this offseason done edwards and a swap right second round swap right for Wancho Hernan Gomez who also didn't really do much on the Celtics and then also ended up in a different uniform but again the, and they signed Dennis Freedom as well so those things all like those players didn't move the needle for the Celtics but all of them other than Josh Richardson at post extension were on one-year contracts and were not treated as real negative value so they don't really get a downgrade even if yeah maybe they could have used the tax burn level on somebody who's still on the team this year so it's it, it, though even the things that didn't work out had no real negative ramifications for the franchise. Other, yeah, an- yeah. Another move they made that really worked out, part of the reason they did that Richardson trade right before free agency was because they needed insurance in case they couldn't re-sign Evan Fournier, and he got a crazy deal with the Knicks that they made a great idea. It was a great idea not to match that. So, yes, that's true. Uh, that counts. And then getting off of Tristan Thompson and just reducing costs there with this Chris Dunn move, and then Wancho and then Wancho ended up being moved in a separate transaction to the Spurs but they managed to just save some money at minimal cost there getting off of Thompson was useful as well so I I think I gotta go and they signed Schroeder and he he might actually help them early in the season but then once they made the white deal he was superfluous and they did well to move on from him but it didn't cost them I guess they took back Tice with that but Tice actually helped them when uh, Robert Williams went down so really everything they touched seemed like it turned to gold I'm gonna move it up from an original of a B to an A plus. I don't give A pluses, but this is a straight A. And it the you very rarely see a team have this many big things to do and hit them all out of the park. And so I mean they you know they on court getting Al Horford, huge part of their finals run. 
Stevens, Imeodoka, both fantastic. So yeah, I mean yeah, the extensions. I mean extension. everything worked great. Exactly. The Brooklyn Nets. Oh boy. Um. So they came into it after that crushing semi. I mean the loss to the the loss to the Bucks, who eventually won the championship, and they get Patty Mills on a one plus one for the tax pyramid level. They salary dump DeAndre Jordan with four different second round picks, and then actually burn yeah. a still impressive not to have to give up a give first, first in that deal, and and then burned a fifth second round pick unloading Sekou Dembuya, who was one of the players they got to do in a separate a separate salary dump. So you could say overall it cost them five seconds, but you know. I, yeah. I can't, I'm not encyclopedic about which and, ones. Those and were. I had been hopeful that they could package Jordan with a pick or picks to get an upgrade for sure. a player who would really help them. And that wasn't the case. And, and as, as we'll get to, I, you know, there's still uh, on the floor. They actually ha- had some issues outside of all the crazy drama, but we'll continue on here. Right. And then they traded Landry Shamit for Javon Carter in the 29th pick, a fantastic transaction for Sean Marks. I mean, they got the 29th pick for Shamit, who didn't have a great fit, especially if Joe Harris had been healthy, which he wasn't, but also Shamit's defensive limitations. And Javon Carter ended up getting cut, which was a weird decision as things turned out but the 29th pick which they eventually used on day run sharp they also got cam thomas at 27 kessler edwards at 44 and then they had i don't need to go in the picks later than that uh they also this is such a massive move retained one kevin durant on a four-year maximum allowable extension they no player did, option no player option they did not agree to terms with kyrie irving and james harden which counts as well i mean we don't know it seems like those were player centric so i did doesn't factor into much and then on the more more on the margins Marcus Aldridge Paul Millsap Bembry James Johnson Blake Griffin and then Bruce Brown signed his qualifying offer and one of the things I wrote about at the time was uh, was will they regret not signing a longer term thing with Bruce Brown and my instinct is yes because they lost him for basically nothing but we still don't know what the hell the 22-23 Brooklyn Nets are so how much it hurts them I'm unclear on yeah and you wonder what deals were out there or i shouldn't say what but what brown was looking for and he he may have been looking for 10 million a year which maybe they just weren't willing to do that and so he went for the qualifying offer but if he he would have taken seven i think that's something that they probably should have done to get him on a long-term deal give him a couple years guaranteed maybe uh you know so so also they weren't able to sign james harden to an extension they're probably and that wasn't their decision though they were offering that so you can't really give any credit for the fact that i mean i think not signing harden to that max extension was probably a good thing for them in the end unless you would have seen them as a championship contender if they still had harden last year which they, they sure well they so i been. disagree with you for a very basic reason i think they yeah. could have traded him for value if things didn't work out just on the theory of what we've seen in recent mm. years i it would have been and it would have been a well, ticking time they did bump. trade him for value <laughs> yeah exactly i out. guess yeah but but if, if he had been on a longer term deal i don't think the the sixers in particular would have been reluctant there and then so actually let's do Kyrie and then did yeah well i mean they just i'm not sure whether they could have extended Kyrie. i still that wouldn't have been a good deal either particularly once the vaccine thing happened and i still if they had wanted to they could have got Kyrie for a lot less than that extension would have been and so i i and maybe if they still had Harden, I still don't think they would have been, I don't know if they would have beaten Boston, even if they still had Harden, because A, Harden wasn't that good by that point, and B, the rest of their team was very flawed. And that's where I think I get back to 
they let jeff green go basically they weren't willing to i guess the, they had to decide essentially with the tax pyramid level whether to get him or patty mills and jeff green didn't have the greatest year with denver he wasn't in the same role though that small ball five by the end of the year he had to just start next to Jokic and aaron gordon he was poor in the playoffs but just the way he enabled them to play just that they never had any kind of a stretch five available i thought that just absolutely killed this team and and their offensive performance throughout the year was just so poor even when they were most you know they had two of their stars available uh once they got Kyrie and KD back that they started to look better on offense but in the playoffs they struggled for to have enough spacing and then they couldn't defend either with those groups so just to never get any kind of a stretch five option particularly when they were so reliant on Brown as well to be their only defensive stopper so they just they couldn't come up with anybody who could defend or shoot on the wings and then or defend and shoot on the wings and they couldn't come up with a stretch five either so not finding one of those two really i'm not sure if they could have won the championship even if they had had all three of those guys available because of that structural flaw that also takes on a larger part of the grade because brooklyn was so good you know having flaws on your team if you're i don't know a 25 30 win team largely immaterial but team if you're competing for a championship then yeah of course that matters and i also i don't downgrade them too much for for the spencer dinwiddie thing so dinwiddie sign and trade for a second and a swap with the wizards and then a trade exception um which they did eventually use i can't remember specifically which which trade exception they used for which deal um uh, but, i think they used him for the the royce o'neill which i mean that but that you don't downgrade for that and dinwiddie signed three years 54 million final year partially guaranteed I'm sure you could run a theory of the case where if, you know, like if Brooklyn knew what they knew now, if they, you know, because the idea that you don't pay the luxury tax until the end of the year, like that maybe what they could have done is retain Dinwiddie and then traded Kyrie Irving in season. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anyone would have wanted him necessarily, but they did have some other discretionary spending, right? Like they maybe yeah. could have brought back Dinwiddie, particularly if they're like, hey, we're not going to sign and trade you. Like, here's our offer. We're going to pay you 15 million a year. And no, we're not going to agree to and trade you to washington but or dinwiddie like over patty mills or something right right yeah to to if you wanted to say hey patty mills dinwiddie those guys uh, made about 12 million combined it would have been better off to just have dinwiddie for 15 and maybe they could have gotten him for that it just didn't seem like especially coming off the torn acl that dinwiddie was really kind of in their plans as much and maybe he would have chafed at not starting again but you know he's certainly a far better player than any of the guys that they kind of chose he, over him it just he wasn't it didn't seem like a fit with harden and Kyrie in the fold but uh you know <laughs> that that kind of changed a little bit he he would have really really helped them at least, although it's at, worth noting he played terribly the first half of the year in Washington right. and that was the part when the Nets would have needed him the most because Kyrie Irving was unavailable uh so I had a B initially which was probably too high because of the lack of the stretch five I, I just figured Kyrie Katie and Harden are just so good they would figure it out and also losing Joe Harris was a, a massive blow this team could have looked totally different if if that hadn't happened and they had no way of knowing that at the time but I'm between a D or a D minus where did you end up i ended up actually to see because of durant and i it's maybe i shouldn't be giving the nets so much credit for durant choosing because all they did is make the offer and he chose to sign it but think about how different things would be right now if kevin durant hadn't signed that extension and first of all he can now now they can just keep him if they want and we'll see how far he pushes them theoretically if it gets to that point but 
Also, if they if they decide to trade him, we know they're getting an epic haul. Like whether it is the most ever or something like that, they're getting a lot for it. And so, and if Durant never signs on the dotted line, that never happens. And I also think, as as you brought up just towards the end of that, Joe Harris isn't a cure all for everything that was wrong with the Brooklyn Nets this offseason but it does color what we think about it and because they like they you know this team only had four guys that made that you know at the kind of the start of everything that made a lot of money and one of them was out for the you know vaccine stuff another one just was injured the whole year and so you're replacing him with largely minimums and it's hard to find minimum players who do what he does and so i i think that you know more in terms of like the brooklyn nets ended last year with a plus one net rating we probably feel differently about their season if the only thing that's different even if they get knocked out in a similar fashion the only thing that's different is they have like a plus two or three net rating and they're you know they're they're in that mix with like some of those other like pretty good but not great teams and you're thinking well they didn't have Kyrie and everything else oh also and and the other part is like I still really love the Shamit deal for them like that was that was good I mean we'll see what they get out of Sharp but yeah Shamit was not someone who really helped them they ended up getting a, a far superior player and curry to play that role and they also got mills too who's better than him charlotte was really interesting oh so what did you end up with your grid uh i'll stick with the d i think you convinced me to go a little higher so from from a b to a d for me uh the charlotte hornets it was a very mixed offseason. Some of their moves actually look better in retrospect, uh, namely that Devontae Graham sign and trade, getting the number 15 pick in the end for him. They got lucky there. As we talked about last episode, New Orleans was very lucky to make it into the playoffs. But at the time, it looked like Zion was going to be healthy. And so there is a reasonable bet that they would make it in. And Graham had really fallen off in New Orleans. So, and Charlotte was totally fine without him this year. Their offense was even better. So there was really no reason to be worried about losing Devontae Graham in the end and just to get a first for a guy who didn't even need to be in their plans and ended up signing a bad contract in the sign and trade. That was a spectacular move, which we weren't sure about. We thought Graham might actually be pretty important to them and that that just wasn't the case. So that looks great. Anything else that you thought like looked really good for them though? I wouldn't say really good, but Kelly Oubre is a, that was a, you know, turned out to be a pretty reasonable contract. They chose to pick up that second year, which had been partially guaranteed. He helped out, you know, wing players are, are hard to find. And then... I don't know how to deal with this, but I will say that we didn't think this for 99% of the league year, but I'm pretty confident right now that the Charlotte Hornets are happy they didn't they haven't signed Miles Bridges to an extension for myriad reasons, not just the uh, I I But I don't give them credit for that. Well, okay. So I I thought about this a lot too, and certainly the moral aspect of this uh, is you kind of have to put that aside when we're talking about because just like we, what's going to help the organization win. Because yeah, and we don't, and also we don't know if that was a factor at all in their decision not to extend. It. I, I don't think it was. Well, no, I think it was that he didn't want to take sixty million dollars. I thought let, let's just start from the beginning here. So uh, the reports were that they offered him like four for sixty, which is about where I would have been. He was one. One of my most improved players for this season. He was looking at a max or close to max offer uh, before he ran into these legal issues. And however, clearly it was the wrong decision not to extend him because, and I, even though they handled it the way I would have, I was wrong too. I'm that, that just because you handle it the way I would have. Right. Just, I was clearly wrong at the time too. You know, they should have gone up to 75, 80 million. And actually, the franchise 
with respect to him would be in a much better and different situation right now because there are plenty of players who have gone into these legal troubles like he would just be under contract he would get a very significant suspension and he would end up coming back eventually and he would be rehabilitated the way people are and and again i mean there's there are a lot of people who commit crimes and they pay the price he may even end up going to jail for some period of time and you know they would be off the hook for his contract at that point but he would they would still be able to have him going forward in some way now i'm just not even sure that they can do that right like there's no that's that's an interesting point he's not even under contract now pr wise you can't probably really bring him back i mean they've got him on the qualifying offer i don't know if he's going to just take that or what before october 1st we'll see how the legal system plays out i mean based on the evidence that we have right now he looks to have done something really reprehensible and probably will be found guilty or is going to have to plead guilty but we don't know that for sure at this point yet we have to let the system play out but if he were just on the team you know making 20 million he gets suspended and then you know eventually he comes back and they have him now i just it's hard for me to see how they can ever give him a significant payday if you're making the decision knowing this afterwards like the history of you know take someone like michael vick with the falcons for example like they ended up just releasing him and he had to kind of rehabilitate himself in a new place in philadelphia and i think that's probably what's going to end up having to happen with miles bridges so again i mean they had no idea i would imagine that this was coming like they made him a significant offer i don't recall hearing any of these like massive character issues for him before this although you would have to imagine there were some red flags this sort of thing doesn't usually just happen out of nowhere so i think when i'm gonna do my grades ultimately i'm just gonna go back to the decision that they made at the time without knowing about his legal issues and that obviously they should have offered him more i would say at that point and even if you want to say oh thank god like they could have got out of it they actually probably even if they would have had to trade him or something they honestly would have been in a better position as a franchise even after this happened to have him on like a high teens deal it's also like i mean we can think back on what our thought process would have been on june 15th which was you know like oh they made a huge mistake he's going to make a lot more money and all that and then the a couple other huge parts of the charlotte offseason i mean this was something i dwelled on a year ago was charlotte had this opportunity where they had some spending flexibility they also had draft picks to address what was pretty clearly their biggest flaw which was the center position and the hornets you know, because like, we knew that they had some limitations defensively with their other players, and they did throw some resources at center, but they didn't really concentrate them and got a couple of different modest things. So they they got Mason Plumley in largely a salary dump, basically upgrading from the 57th pick to the 37th pick to get Mason Plumley, but he was clearly a stopgap. Now it appears to be a two-year stopgap. And then they traded in a bizarre move a protect a, a protected first for the 19th pick, and then took. Kyle Jones. I'm not super thrilled about Kai Jones. And so instead of really harnessing what they had and going after somebody, whether it was, you know, uh, it'll all, uh, I will always think of Miles Turner, but it could have been any number of other people. And they eventually did end up with Montrez Harrell, who again, didn't solve the primary issue here. And the Hornets ended up 20th in defense. And the way Mitch Kupchak can salvage that is if Edwards ends up, you know, who they used a lottery, who they used a lottery pick on in 2022. Why do you, he, why do you keep calling him?
calling him Edward? I don't know. Mark I'll, Williams. Mark Williams. It was Mark, Mark Williams. Williams. Number 15 overall pick, Mark Williams. Yeah. Mark Williams. Went to Duke, watched a lot of film of him, uh, watching everybody else. I just can't. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just oh, trying to help you, Danny. I'm trying to There's help you. There's a football player from when I was growing up that was Mark Edwards. That's what it is. That's what I'm th- I always I always think of it. I think it was a tight end. I'll have to look this up at some point. Um. Anyway, but so, so if Mark Williams ends up being better than all of the different things Kupchak could have gone after to solve this problem, then it will be just, oh, you had one other year where your defense was 20th again, and that was suboptimal and all of that. But I think it's worse. I think I think it's it's less defensible because it's like you have this opportunity. You should have done something about it. You didn't. And then also, they drafted James Booknight out of UConn. Yeah, at- can, can I tell you how I characterize this as I went through? Of picks 10 through 20, they managed to draft the two worst guys at... <laughs> <laughs> at uh, 11 and 19 as far as we can tell at least right now i agree and book night i hated the film on him and there was some context yeah. that maybe you you, you were stronger on it at the time i, I was yeah. so low on him but i also was kind of like is this really the fit of the guy they need like it seemed because he was even getting talked about in the top 10 so it seemed like all right maybe it's good value and they ended up letting malik monk go who actually might have been able to help them uh although his cap hold was pretty big but he only got the minimum so they could have paid him a lot less and still been able to do some of the cap space stuff that they wanted to with Ubre, but yeah i mean it's it the draft is looking like a complete disaster for them right yeah. now and it's hopeful possible that at some point book Knight, kai jones or jt thor will look better but you have that and then you have two other big decisions that we haven't talked about at all one of them is they gave terry rosier a four-year 97 million dollar extension and you know rosier i i i think that 90 you know paying him 26 million in 25 26 was, that might actually end up looking okay just because well you're a bigger well, your guy. well hold, hold on Danny that's only 24.9 million guaranteed <laughs> oh, yeah. sl- slow down here we got to consider that yeah and that'll be that's so got to be the weirdest guarantee I can ever remember yeah I guess it's just so and it guarantees in full if they make the second round and he plays 70 games in one of the three prior seasons I guess it's just like supposed to be an incentive or something but it's like what how are you you're gonna waive a guy like he's gonna get all that money anyway the idea that they would waive him to save 1.5 million dollars not who came up with this it's it's hilarious also worth noting this contract is terry rosier's age the four years added his 29 30 31 and 32 seasons We'll, we'll see how Rosier ages, and I think you know twenty three million a year for um, no. I think, I think this is his twenty eight. Well, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. start for another year. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at an old cap sheet. Sorry, I was looking at a year old. Yeah, you're right. It's it's uh, uh, move everything up one year. Twenty eight, twenty nine, thirty, thirty one. Okay, and okay. then the other thing that the the Hornets did is when, they. When does uh, what what year is this? Uh, what age is this for Edwards? What year season? I hate you so much. <laughs> um, is they extended James Borrego, who then they fired within that year. And Michael Jordan doesn't operate this way. And I was thinking of this as I was doing my little write-up. The same thing could happen with Mitch Kupchak, where he's fired within a year of his ex- most recent extension. Yeah. So in the, it seems weird because they ended up firing Borrego, obviously. They took a massive step forward as a team last year to win 43 games. But then, of course, they got blown out again in the play-in. And you know, Gordon Hayward got hurt again. And you know, I think Oubre was totally fine to, to get him. They, they guaranteed him. They guaranteed Plumlee. Although part of those were because they had pretty significant guarantees already, so it wouldn't have made sense to get rid of him. 
but I, I think between the draft the no bridges extension i don't like you know the plumbing thing was fine i guess uh not addressing center more in the long term although really rashawn holmes is the only guy available and holmes had his own rough year this year so i i think the Graham thing was good some of the other things were kind of okay to decent but then there are like a couple of really bad things and particularly the draft like if they could have gotten can you imagine where they'd be if they had just gotten like two good players in the draft were there of which there were a number i think <laughs> to get the two worst guys in a 10 pick span is pretty incredible i'm gonna i think i'll go d minus nah i'll go i'll go d i guess i i gave them a d then i'm giving them a d now and my rationale for it is mostly similar but a little bit different and like it's been such a roller coaster ride but yeah yeah a lot of these teams are roller coaster rides and the bulls oh boy you know this is one that i hated at the time it gave him well no that's wrong that's i shouldn't say i hate it i gave him a d i actually really liked most of what they did also this is before the marketing trade which i love uh but i just thought the derozan thing made so little sense and getting him now at three for 82 i mean he was a top 10 most valuable regular season player in the league last year part of that was due to clutch performance but clearly i think we would view that as a you know they got positive value on that contract in the first year and i think we view it as fine going forward maybe the uh the year after this one could could be a little rough but that's okay that's the nature of these so that that turned out do you think now of that as a positive move the DeRozan thing given that they had to give up Thaddeus Young which basically kind of we'll think of him as like half a first round pick because the Spurs eventually moved from uh 33 to 20 by trading him away they had to give up this top 10 protected first which is probably gonna be in 2025 and of course they had to pay DeRozan 28 million a year which there was as far as we know, nobody else offering above the mid-level for right. DeRozan. And so I would say it definitely worked out for the Bulls. Yeah. Like they, 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 they got him on the team and he and he helped them and, and they made the playoffs last year. It, and also making the playoffs being that relevant contributed to Zach Levine re-signing, which is important. And they, you know, mm-hmm. they didn't have the really the capacity. Maybe, maybe if they had cleared cap space, they could have done a, you know, and an, uh, renegotiate an extent. extent. I think yeah, that would have been they couldn't have done really anything else exactly so 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 from the perspective of like are they happy that they did the move yes they are and and that's that's an important consideration could they have done it at a lighter cost either in terms of salary or compensation to the san antonio spurs yeah i think they could have and so that's if they could have just only had to trade thad young and not had to make the spurs take on aminu as well Aminu, taking on Aminu, another just atrocious aspect of that Vooch trade that doesn't get talked about enough. Right. Um, but but could they have gotten out of that a paying DeRozan less, but b not having to give up the first to the Spurs or gotten better protections on that deal with the Spurs to not have to include Aminu? So it's kind of like the Anthony Davis deal, where yeah, it did work out at least here in the short term, but there are also consequences that are going to be paid for a while for not getting as good of a deal as they should have. Right, and and there's also a there's some part though I think DeRozan is in 
in a better place, especially because he's been more durable. Kind of like we talked about years a couple years ago with the Gordon Hayward contract, where the first year was always going to be the best year of it. Like that was the, you know, like DeRozan aging player. But DeRozan is A, at a higher level right now, last year, than Gordon Hayward. And I think he will age better, personally. So the other thing that they did, let's run through that, uh, everything else they did, which I think still looks pretty good largely, what? except for Lonzo because he's hurt, but I don't think you can really downgrade them for that. You Not too much. I mean, the injuries, the injuries related to injuries that he previously had, which were probably depressing his value. And with Lonzo, the cost to acquire him was functionally very close to zero for the Bulls because they gave up Sadoransky, Garrett Temple through a sign and trade and a 24 second. But three plus one, eighty million dollars, like that that could end up be and, and the theory of Lonzo Ball with the Bulls, I think, worked out beautifully. It was just like, can he actually stay healthy? Caruso looks like a great deal. Four years, yeah. thirty-seven million, final year guaranteed. They drafted Io Desunmu at thirty-eight, and he ended up being a part of their rotation for parts of the year. I was very high on him at a lot of moments. Javante Green, they retained two years at the minimum. That worked out. He was a part of their rotation as well. They did a sign and trade for Tice. Sure. I mean, that didn't really do didn't really do much from the Bulls perspective there. And then eventually, after we did our grades last time, they signed and traded Lowry Markkinen for Derek Jones, that Portland lottery protected first and a 23 Denver second. And from Chicago's perspective, I think that was a really good move. They didn't really have a place for Markkinen in their eventual rotation. They got Derek Jones, who flawed, but actually the the having a lot of defenders around DeRozan and Levine theory that Arturis had was it worked out far better than I anticipated and they got a first round pick out of it and we don't know how good that first is going to end up being should it convey but I mean that's a lot to get for a guy that you probably wouldn't have wanted to sign at his the contract the Cavs got him for in the first place yeah exactly that that'll come up uh at our next in alphabetical order in fact so yeah that was brilliant for a guy that they didn't really want to re-sign that kind of wasn't in their problem. They could have used a little bit of stretch four, but his fit with Vucevic defensively was never going to work right, at like, that point. They could have used a actually kind of a worse Markkinen, but the yeah. salary and the kind of the what they gave up for him meant that that wasn't functionally possible. Yeah, so that was really good. I brought them up to a B plus from Same. my initial D, and you still wonder where this is all going for these guys eventually and it would have been nice if they could have just got some more shooting but their plan was for Patrick Williams to play and then he injured his his wrist and came back and wasn't at the level they needed him to be to compete in that Bucks series um yeah you made a good point that having the success they had induced Levine to re-sign so I, I think I still think they should have done better in the DeRozan deal but if you had to ask me should they have just not done it at all I would grit my teeth and say yes they should have done that deal even though they should have done even better on it than they did so yeah went from a D to a B plus there the Cavs they were on the opposite side of that marketing deal and I thought that really is not looking good he just yeah he played the three he started but he's not the answer there and particularly with Jared like they're paying him he should be a backup if they're ever gonna really be good his fit with these guys okay but he's not even as good as Kevin Love who they brought back who was a six man can is way better than him Love can only play 25 minutes a game and yeah he helped them a little bit as a three but again like it's just they had to shoehorn him in because they just didn't have anybody else at that position like they didn't sign him to be a three really like it just kind of worked out that way because that's all that they had and then to instead they could have gotten this first 
from the Blazers, which would have been a nice trade asset. And, or they could actually use the pick eventually for Nance. They could have also just kept Nance. Nance could just be on their team right now at still a very reasonable number and helping them. He would have helped them last year. Uh, so I think uh, that to me is unequivocally negative. And then now they're running into these issues where they're up against the tax due to this marketing contract as well, which just doesn't look good. He's going to be making you know, 17, 18 million a year over these next couple of years. What's weird for me about the Cavs offseason is that, first of all, I had been extremely critical. They had done they had done very little at the time that we um, that we graded them because they um like for example the marketing thing hadn't happened yet um and so i had been i've been lower you know the jared allen situation they gave him five years 100 million and i i wondered where that offer was coming from and that's yeah. still like we talked about with demar Derozan, that's still a factor like i think they overpaid him to what they needed to however jared allen at 20 million a year and it's a flat 20 is absolutely playing at a level for that contract so and yeah. no with, player option there either. no player so, option and as you know, that, that was a win for them yeah. even so if that, it could so have that been went a from win. like yeah. a not a huge negative because I've, I've been a huge believer in jared allen but the like you could have done less and remember th- let's say it's five million dollars different that five million this year would have allowed them to use the mid-level so it does matter but it doesn't matter as much as the player is actually good. You were successful with him. So so the Allen Park goes from goes to be a success. Evan Mobley at three is, you know, I, so is a huge success. I mean, Mobley, yeah. a wonderful. But, but also, I don't give him too much credit because he was the. I, I do because I thought Jalen Suggs was in the conversation and Evan Mobley is a whole hell of a lot better than Jalen Suggs. Yeah, I, I guess there was really. I don't think anyone was was advocating for them to take Suggs like in the draft community. Or but that. I don't. I think I don't it was think like it was, so like, obvious he we'll, was. Gonna we'll be talk about Detroit there. in a second. I don't think it was as clear cut as for me as Kate over everyone else. So I give them yeah. some credit, but not a ton. And they didn't agree to an extension with Colin Sexton, and that probably ends up working out better I, I think that was the right move i mean he the only thing he would have taken would have been like 20 a big deal right at that point and I, I still think they should up their offer and make him a real offer and because some of the moves they did last off season they don't even have room below the tax to do that now and they kind of don't even really want to anyway but i, I don't think they should have extended him at 20 million i mean I, and another quirky one I, I i think hartenstein made the right decision for himself personally he's like remember isaiah hartenstein ended the 1920 sorry the 2020 yeah. 21 season on the caps like they would it would have been great to have him last year and and not having a real backup center actually ended up hurting them in the end they were playing ed davis down the end of the year once uh allen got hurt right and but then the other move they made that i would say worked out really well for them despite his injury was they traded torian prince and a second round pick for Ricky Rubio. And then Rubio ended up becoming extremely important for them, especially once Sexton went down. Rubio then tore his ACL. But I still think that deal worked out well for the Cavs for the time, even if you include the time he was out. Overall, that was a net positive for them. Yeah, so kind of final scorecard here, marketing bad, The including the fact that they had to trade Nance for him and give to give him a bad contract. But I think everything else here was pretty solid. So And, yeah. and oh, you oh, give him I, some I, I, credit for not fucking up Mobley. One other criticism. Yeah, okay. Just like I talked about in their 22 offseason grade, the Cleveland Cavaliers spending so little to address their flaws at the three and the two. Where they tried though, 
they they tried to to give their mid level to any forward who could breathe. Yeah. and they they, they, they did that part of it, and they drafted the right player three, which is why it's only a slight demerit. Like they they shouldn't have taken somebody else to do that. But you think about the resources that they threw into marketing. Like to me, this you can float this in with the marketing deal. It's like if you're going to give up a first and a good player and give somebody that kind of money, they sh- if they had well, I, well I don't they didn't know. give up a first and a good player. They gave up just a good player. For, oh, you're for right. The first, first came yeah, from it was, somebody it was, else. Yeah, yeah. They could have had a first for Nance directly from the Blazers yeah. without folding in Markkinen, sure. which is what they I think they yeah, should. Yeah, so have I would done. argue in a sense that they did. But yeah, yeah. You could, it's Nance or a first because that, right. those, that was the option. And so, but to, so they if they could have done that in a different way, I think they could have gotten somebody at a different position who would have helped them more. But I also don't know who that was. So I'm not going to, that doesn't factor too much. So I went from, and, and remember, some of these things happened after we did grades and like we were both high on the market and, or no, sorry, not high on the market. We, like it would have changed things differently. I went from a D plus to a B. Yeah. And I was at a D. I, I went to a, a B plus, particularly not screwing up the Mobley thing. Like they do get credit for that, even if not, you know, it wasn't like a brilliant pick there, but they also didn't blow it. And it, they could have been like, oh, you know, we have Jared Allen. Maybe we should get Suggs instead. You know, so they could have messed that up, I think. So the Detroit Pistons. I had for them initially a C minus and my notation at the time was I just have no idea what they're doing and they're really other than taking Cade at number one I just didn't really understand anything else that they did uh, like the Olenek signing like he kind of made sense but now they have like a billion other centers and power forwards as well and they like moved Mason Plumley and paid money to do so so they could get Olenek who was in theory a better fit like you know they didn't get a first for DeAndre Jordan they had to go four seconds which was kind of a bummer too so i don't really give them a ton of credit for kate although i do think that was the right pick um and then so i i guess i would probably stick with like you know c minus d plus range i mean i don't really have a ton to say we can roll through what they did but it just was like a bunch of weird shit that didn't make much sense Right. Uh, as far as just building an actual team around the guy you just drafted number one overall. I'll put a different frame on it, which is what of the things that the Pistons did with their spending power, with their draft resources, and really affects the next great Pistons team. Because that in Detroit's situation, we knew exactly that, that this was not going to be the best year for them. They drafted Kate Cunningham. They're going in that direction. And there's another important element to add in that will not be formally listed within the transaction list. And I'm going to actually mentioned that at the outset and that's not trading jeremy grant because jeremy grant you know coming off of uh coming off of some successful years coming off of you know well regarded after you know he spent time on team usa and they they didn't get a great return for him holding on to him they didn't have a great season and i would argue that they you know having jeremy grant around that weakened their draft pick now they fell they had the third worst record they fell in the lottery this past year i don't put all of that on jeremy grant like it being having the third worst record ended up being unlucky compared to the second worst record or the worst record but the theory of it was always something that bothered me where it's like okay you can grant the other team gets an extra year they get all the stuff but and part of the reason why troy weaver got so little for grant was so they could open up more cap space and that you know so like could they have gotten multiple first yeah i think they could have and but so what they ended up doing in the draft weaver got so actually i'll mention this in too they moved from 37 to 57 to dump mason Plumley to open up more spending power so they ended up with kate cunningham at one Isaiah Livers at 42, Luca Garza who's already gone at 57, and then Kobravitz at 57. And then you mentioned Kelly Olynyk, three for 37, final year partially guaranteed. They also gave uh, they they did these uh, a bunch of these contracts were like it was a second year team option. Like a two minus one is typically the parlance that you use for Trey Lyles for Hamadou 
Diallo, for Frank Jackson, and only one of those three guys is still on this team. Uh, they gave Corey Joseph a one plus one at about $5 million a year. He picked up the player option, which generally means things didn't work out super well for the team because the player is picking up the option. I liked Saban Lee. I thought that that three, uh, again, what three, so two years fully guaranteed last year team option. I don't know that he's a backup point guard at this point. You do already have Corey Joseph and then McGruder's Yeah, he, he may end up being, they may end up just moving on from him. They might. Looks, and so looking like a roster crunch at this point. Yeah. So I moved them down from a C minus to a D plus. I mean, there, it, but I, part of me thinks I should be actually more negative on it than a D plus because they, they, you know, they had an opportunity and it's, it's more the idea that they didn't even do other than a Linux and suddenly I understand the theory of a pick and pop big next to Kate Cunningham. Like I thought that was a reasonable gamble. A was hurt a lot of last year, but they threw like one way of thinking about this, like Corey Joseph, Hamadou Diallo in particular, like, and Trey Lyles, like those guys combined to make like $13 million last year. Could you have done something else with that $13 million? Yes. Could have maybe gotten somebody. And I, I mean, not that there were perfect players on the 2021 free agent market, but just going after things that make sense. They, you know, they dumped Plumlee and didn't really use that money for anything that made their team better. I guess like you could say Olenek and like they gave up a pretty solid yeah. second to do that. I, yeah. Well, well, they're, they're able to take on DeAndre and get the four seconds. Yeah. I guess if too. you want to argue that that, that that fit in, sure. That, that's reasonable. And then, but they had to take on an extra year of salary for that yeah which is true he's still on the on their books now as well um so yeah i mean i went down to a d plus just because i think Cade was the right pick but there's little else to point to i mean the well, one plus one for Corey joseph wasn't was really weird livers might actually start for them they're talking about potentially but that's i don't think that's because he's like so awesome it's just because they have literally no one else to, who can well, defend for who can shoot i don't want to relitigate this fully right now but i will say i only i, I only factor this teensy bit into my grade i am less slightly less confident well more than slightly less confident that Cade cunningham will eventually be the right pick at one than i was a year ago even if you know like whether jalen yeah. green or evan mobile or somebody else ends up being Scotty Barnes. Okay. Ends up being I, yeah, I mean, I, I still like him the most of that group. I do too. I, I understand what you're saying, yeah. The, yeah. The, so, there's, so. so that's it. Uh, ready to move on to the Pacers? Yeah, this one was interesting. Uh, I think one of the big reasons that I was high on it initially was bringing in Rick Carlisle, and now that they're in more of this rebuilding, that has a little bit less salience to me, but obviously they needed to move on from Nate Bjorkren and Carlisle is very well regarded he was the he was the best established coach on the market i don't think i, I think like ime Doka in particular is already out I, I think has outstripped him in terms of like where i see them for the next five years but you know that i'm not gonna kill kevin pritchard yeah. for not identifying now that. they they paid him a lot of money and there are a lot of good younger coaches who have impressed that were available that may have been a better fit for a rebuilding group which they kind of are in now but like does rick really want to do that i guess maybe he's getting paid a lot he doesn't necessarily have a, uh, other options necessarily either. Um, you know, I thought their draft was solid. Like Duarte, I don't know if he's going to be the best there. And it might kind of be nice if they had somebody younger. But, but he, he was a solid good rookie year. He can play. Like, I, I think he's, he's going to be a, have a nice NBA career at 13. That's totally fine. And then the trade of number 31 in Aaron Holiday, who was not in their plans and not in the Wizards or the Suns plans, where he also spent time last year, uh, to get Isaiah Jackson, who is firmly in the Pacers plans now was brilliant and Jackson at 22 Garuba Josh Christopher yeah. Quentin Grimes so Bones 31 Island. ended up being Isaiah Todd by the way right ended up being Isaiah Todd so like 22 that trade is is very good and Jackson to me 
me a totally reasonable pick at 22. We could see some of the guys below him ending up being better, but we could also see Jackson. Like, I think there's starter potential for him as well at this point. Yeah. The, and, they also did a nice move even to get 31 by trading 54, 60, and two future seconds to the Bucks. Right. No no team values super late seconds the way that the Milwaukee Bucks do um, because they can save, save a little bit of money there. They also signed and traded Doug McDermott and got, you know, I think they upgraded if memory serves a second round pick because of that. And a couple other important things that the Pacers did, um, obviously signing Malcolm Brogdon to a two year, $45 million extension. They ended up getting a a first for him, but it's not a very good first. My inclination is that if they, if the Pacers had traded Brogdon in season, meaning if they had never signed him to extension, they could have traded him in season for more, but I don't know that for sure. Yeah. So he could not be traded at the deadline because of the extension. Because of that. It was within six months and just simply not. And maybe he wasn't willing to do it. And maybe the fact that he had two years left, the start of the season was a deadline to get that help get that done. But it would have been nice if A, they could have done that. So he could have been traded at the deadline early enough. So six months could have passed. And B, I I think he would have had probably more value even now on the market. I I guess, though, if you're like, man, I, I really value Brogdon. I want him to start only having one year left on his deal is not yeah i'm just not sure whether he's more tradable with that extension or without i mean if they could have only extended it for one year then that probably would have been the sweet spot it's tough to say i mean i don't downgrade them really for that no. extension it's and, like a you know c minus type and, of deal and i only downgrade them slightly i mean what i probably should downgrade them more for the tory craig contract two years 10 million because like it looked like that second year was going to be bad but then they got out of it because james jones loves tory craig more than almost anybody and so yeah, and, and they got uh jalen Smith out of that who who might be part of what they're doing sure going forward. and then the first year of the tj mcconnell contract four years 33.6 million didn't work out because he was injured the whole time i thought that was a reasonable contract the final year is partially guaranteed and i, I didn't like that because at the time they were trying to actually compete for the playoffs and we know that he can't play in the playoffs. okay yeah you were you were lower on it than i was and so yeah. um and, and then but the other element here and I, again the, like the pacers have more of these than almost any team of the i don't know how to how to factor this in is I don't know how seriously Kevin Pritchard was thinking about trading to Montez Sabonis in the 21 offseason, but like, so with Vooch or some of these other players in the past, we've had an idea, like there were rumors that they were on the market, but I will say we don't know about Miles Turner, whether making a move with him was the right or wrong idea at any point in time, mostly because we've never seen a real offer there. But with Sabonis, I'm pretty confident that it was the right decision because Tyrese Halliburton ended up being a, I think a better return for Sabonis than they would have gotten in, in terms of like single asset, which is a worthy priority to have than what they probably would have gotten you know like i prefer Halliburton to what the magic got in the vooch deal personally hmm. well i guess we'll see I, I i actually i think i might rather have franz than tyrese Halliburton. That, i love, I, I love tyrese Halliburton. um and, and also Halliburton. let's let's recall too that the magic got off of like some bad salary in that deal too that, that'll be an interesting comparison to do a those guys sabonis and vooch are they're not similar players in their terms of their shooting ability but as just offensive centers who pass but can't really defend there but are also quote-unquote all-stars they were i think similar value guys so i went from a b plus down to a b minus there i don't think that this offseason they had is the reason why things failed for them and they just aren't competing anymore and they pivoted i think it was the right move to pivot though with sabonis and the brogdon extension didn't prevent them from trading him for positive value though maybe they could have got more the carlisle hire doesn't look quite as good but it's still hopefully he's a quality coach i it's 
I'm just a little bit flummoxed since we talked about it in their grades this year. Just, yeah, like some of these things seem good in isolation. You're just not sure where they're going. But getting Isaiah Jackson, that was a coup as well. So clearly they have to be in the positive to me. So I downgrade them a little bit just because of kind of how, how their year went and, you know, a few things looking worse, but it's still well into the positive for me, which is weird to say given how their season ended up. I went from an A minus to a B plus. So similar logic. I was just a little higher and I stayed a little higher. I mean, if, if Duarte ends up disappointing a little bit more, that can move. But I think their draft picks were good. I think they hired a reasonable coach, even if he's a poor fit for where they're going. But that's all right. Um, Miami, <laughs> I mean, think about one that we would how how we would figure about this grade if we regrade if we had done it in April versus June versus now. Like a lot of changes yeah. there because they so the biggest moves at the time were they they acquired Kyle Lowry via sign and trade. He got three years, eighty five million. They gave up Goran Dragic and. Precious Chua in that deal. And then the other huge thing was Jimmy Butler picked up his player option and then signed a three-year $146 million extension on top of that. And both of us at the time, and, and the final year of that is a player option. The final, the, both of us at the time were like, oh crap, that's a lot of Jimmy Butler. And, you know, he's aging and, and they had, you know, coming off of this horrendous playoffs where they got shellacked, swept out by the Milwaukee Bucks. Jimmy Butler, this he was going into his age 30 season and so it's like there's a lot there and there were times during the season as well as he played at, at times they were like oh they're doing that and then he was awesome in the playoffs so you wonder about that and then you also do the point of it's like well this is jimmy butler's age 32 season that's gonna cover i i believe that's 34 35 36 are the years in that because that extension doesn't kick yeah. in until 23 24 he picked up the option for 22 23 but so you have so you so you have this like oh is that gonna maybe work out in the end but a jimmy butler was awesome for them right now and b like it seems like he he might have been trying to push his way out maybe the lottery thing doesn't happen and also oh yeah they had the east number one record they had the they had the number six net rating in the league despite being super injured so the heat were better than we thought they would be and so the present value in that trade-off was better than i thought yeah i I felt at the beginning of the season we're like yeah you know what if they just have a hard-fought second round exit which is kind of what i projected and then it was downhill from there that wouldn't necessarily be worth it getting to the finals in the east getting to game seven could have won that series maybe Maybe if healthy, Boston obviously wasn't quite healthy either. You know, the Lowry thing, I, you can't downgrade them with the personal issues he was going through. Like, I think Lowry could have really helped them. And then the hamstring, maybe because he just you know wasn't in the type of shape he wanted to be due to that you know we had talked about hey was it better to stay over the cap pick up pj tucker and yeah you had to give up precious achua basically to do that to get the raptors to take on Dragic so you could stay over the cap and do the lowry sign and trade i think that worked out it tucker sadly they couldn't keep him and they ended I, up I would say couldn't him. keep him didn't keep him. yeah it, it was very difficult to keep him it would have been nice if they could have just gotten him for two years i mean even if they wanted to guarantee three years that might have actually brought him in but it didn't seem to make sense to do that given his age and now he's not on the team anymore they did they could really use him still going forward but there's all these other things they did at the margin that were amazing right they just getting caleb martin oh i forgot to mention that in the charlotte section they cut him yeah okay i'm going to a d minus i'm going to a d minus on the hornets (laughs) 
I, I, I considered it when I did when I did my I regrade. I had it in my notes and I didn't mention it, but I'm angry again. I'm downgrading them. Okay, yeah. back to the heat. Um, yeah. So, so they. Uh, well, yeah, did they cut him or did his two way just expire or was he actually was he he was actually on a real he was on a roster, them, but he, he? they could have made him yeah. a qualifying offer. Yeah. So the, the Heat brought in Martin on a, a two way, and he's now going to be a part of their group going forward. You know, getting Victor Oladipo back for, at the minimum was solid, and now he's still part of their group as well max Struess gave vincent now it would have been nice maybe if they could have gotten those guys for longer uh two years but all those two minus ones at the minimum omar yurtsevin was part of that too but they didn't really have the ability to do that with more than one of those guys what did they use the rest of their mid-level on because they would have had room to give one of those guys three years maybe they just weren't willing to take it or something i don't i think well i think actually you know what probably it was is i think all those guys already had a year of experience now because Struess wouldn't have been restricted anyway i i that's one where maybe they could have done better i'm although i i'm a little loath to say that because i don't remember the exact details of how they yeah. used the rest of their mid-level i don't think they did though so they and, could have at least maybe gotten one of those guys for three years that's going to be an issue because those guys are all up next year and, and they're gonna get paid and duncan yeah. robinson he got a four plus one for a co- total of 90 million including the player option and robinson like yeah he got usurped in the starting lineup by max Drews. i still think that's a positive value contract for the heat i think that it's it part of it is a little bit weird that nothing has happened yet but it also could be the kevin durant holding pattern the donovan mitchell holding pattern all of that kind of stuff and also duncan robinson can play like they they're I, they do need a power forward in the worst way now that pj tucker's gone but i don't think they regret that contract at the moment and so i mean yeah i mean you think about because one of the big criticisms that you and i had of the heat at the time was like so i wrote this about like there's value to being in the mix and all that and but they had i was worried about their depth and it was part of why i picked their under and the over-unders and Struess, vincent to a lesser extent yurtsevin those guys really delivering and deadman at the minimum you know like they that allowed them that and spo being one hell of a coach and their team having a lot of talent to weather a lot of storms like they were the they had the sixth best net rating in the league and they were pretty damn injured like this is not a team that got lucky to be there yeah i i agree with you so i went from a b minus up to a b plus because their present for future gambit did pay off to some degree i think they're still going to be in the mix again this year it would be nice if they still had precious to chua that's just an interesting question of whether one year of pj tucker which is what it ended up being is worth a chua yeah maybe it isn't uh in the long term a chua could be a nice starting center i don't know how great he looks next to bam but it'd be nice to have him instead of deadman as your your backup i mean I, like it, it yeah. could have ended up being that good problem where you have a chua you don't really have the right role for him and then you trade him yeah. for value well and his shooting actually has started to come along a little bit in toronto so maybe he could have played next to bam some and, and he's a defensive monster on the ball too uh so but th- they don't get to where if they have a chua instead of tucker i don't know that they get to the east finals last year either right so that, that that's a tough call i mean that, again that's another present for future sure situation uh, so, so i i was i had a lower grade on the heat originally i had a c minus and i'm moving that all the way up to a b plus yeah and i'll go b plus here as well and we'll just we got to see what happens now with butler going forward too but he had a much better year last year than i expected so at least the beginning of that is looking pretty good and you know losing kendrick nunn that didn't come back to hurt them at all 
So I, I think they're in, in a bunch of different ways, like not only because Kendrick Nunn had a, you know, he had an injured year with the Lakers, but also they replaced him within rotation. Gabe Vincent, I, I think Gabe Vincent was better for the Heat than Kendrick Nunn would have been. Easily. So the Bucks, they oh let Bobby, or I'm sorry, they, they let PJ Tucker go. We thought initially it was over money, but they spent plenty of money on other stuff. So they could have paid him had they, they clearly should have just given him that contract that the Heat would have. I'm sure he would have signed that. You would think he seemed It, it sounded like he said it. Yeah. Yeah. And now there's a little bit of outcome based decision making here because they're probably with Chris Middleton's injury, they weren't going to win the championship regardless. But I think if Chris Middleton's healthy and if the Bucs had retained PJ Tucker, I think the Bucs would be NBA champions. Some might say, hey, they would be NBA champions anyway if Chris Middleton hadn't gotten hurt. I. I don't know. We'll we'll see. Uh, well, I guess we won't see. But it, there's a, an argument there. But clearly, PJ Tucker would have helped them. We talked about this ad nauseum. We talked about it in their offseason grades again this year that just being able to play with Giannis at center, with defensive versatility to switch, and basically all of their moves last offseason just went away from establishing that defensive versatility. I thought this team just has a bunch of weaknesses that when you have a player as great and as versatile defensively as Giannis and another one like drew holiday and then your third guy i mean that's the thing danny right like some of these teams you know if you're the nuggets or you're the hawks and it just we've talked about this a, a bunch of like the stars you have are the stars you have like you just have to deal with that stars are too hard to find but if you're the hawks with trey or the nuggets with Jokic, it's like yeah that's your superstar he has to be on the floor it's really hard to build a defensively versatile lineup the milwaukee bucks three stars are holiday middleton and Giannis, about as versatile defensively as you could possibly want at those positions and yet somehow nobody else on the entire team essentially other than west matthews they signed at the minimum is capable of playing deep with defensive versatility and that started with some of the decisions that they made in this offseason i guess maybe maybe pat Connaughton would be the one other guy yeah pat Connaughton could be potentially as well but he has his own flaws and yeah i mean so the bucks instead of retaining pj tucker they used their they, they signed bobby portis to a five-year 53 million dollar contract in many ways yeah it was a one <laughs> it was a one plus one that we had an understanding was going to get was going to get a payout they were limited due to insufficient bird rights to give him the money right away and then they ended up getting giving him that money. They traded um, Sam Merrill two seconds for Grayson Allen and then gave him a two-year $19 million extension. And Allen ended up being a positive part of the regular season, but we had yeah. these very specific concerns about his flaws as a playoff but team. They also could have just brought back Bryn Forbes sure. instead, and you know, which I, I think they had sufficient bird rights to, to bring him back. I'm sure he would have liked to have been back on a winning team instead of going back to San Antonio. And I thought the trade for Allen was fine, but the extension, I don't think he would have gotten that much an extension and and it's just another Com it's, place a, where it's a commitment to a guy yeah. who's not good enough to be in your closing five in the playoffs and the bucks yeah they're he got i mean let's not forget he and bobby portis alan more than portis but both of them got lit up by the celtics a team that's not exactly you know just offensive world beaters in terms of like their isolation guys that they have yeah, and they, they got and they, they got, still got rocked and and so you gave up a bunch you you used your capital to do those things and they also gave george hill two guaranteed years he was hurt a lot of last year but also like where does he fit in with the best version of the bucks is yeah. an open I mean, question that's another should be dumped contract at exactly point now and they you know and and thanasis hey Giannis is good enough you can put his brother yeah. on the team it is what it is there and and hood and ojale ended up giving them basically nothing 
partially due to injuries and just not really being there. They also moved off of the 31 pick to get two to get basically four late four seconds. Uh, the two for the 21 were late, and those players, you know, Mamu might eventually have more of a role. My instinct is not in. While Isaiah Todd doesn't do a ton for me, Jason Preston, Herb Jones, Deuce McBride, all taken in the next five picks. Yeah, I think I think there's a little more a little more equity there that the Bucks could have done. So and, and then they also yeah. didn't even ex- someone like JT Thor, Io sure. Jusumu, there some yeah. even Nemius Kita would be someone who actually I think could help them is just uh, like a big bruising backup center. Like, so like Lopez doesn't have viable potential rotation players. Yeah. Like Jared like, Butler is someone I like. Like there actually were some pretty good guys in that second right. round. And, and even and, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, I think, would have been pretty decent for them. Sure. And, um, and so, so yeah. So from their perspective, I mean, so that's that's a loss, and it's that kind of short term thing that the Bucks have been so bad about during the John Horst era of like, oh, it's you know, get a couple of roster spots, do all this kind of stuff. Yeah, and, they, they never find guys on the margin. No. And and that's part of why this has been so except for like Wes Matthews, like that sort of thing. They've done that and Marvin Williams and a few of those, but like young players, and because young players stay cheap for longer and maybe they'll stick around. And so and then not signing DiVincenzo to an extension, I think that worked out well for them because DiVincenzo had this lost he had this lost year. I you know, I you know, if they had had done what I expected the Bucks to do, which is kind of roll the dice on both DiVincenzo and Grace Nallen going into restricted free agency. I think they would have walked away with a bigger net there. Like they could have, they could have done better. So that's, but not signing DiVincenzo was the correct decision. I, so I gave them a C minus then. And, and part of, I think why I did that was I was relieved that it was, um, that it wasn't a money decision, that it was an evaluation decision, but that evaluation decision looks a lot worse now. And also some of the stuff that I I thought was had potential on the margins like Hood and Ojale just totally didn't work out. And because their identification, while I criticized it at the time, that criticism getting validated by the part of how they were eliminated in the playoffs, even if Middleton being hurt was the most important factor, that gave me to me the license to downgrade them more fully. So I'm going from a C minus to a D minus. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, that's pretty fair. I, I'll uh, yeah, I, I think I'll just go with the D here. The Knicks. This is one I really liked at the time. I thought that they didn't go crazy with the contracts that they had, other than the Julius Randle extension. But I think you know he made second team All NBA the previous year, which I thought was ridiculous. But also like if he had played anywhere close to his 2021 level last year, his contract would look fine. He he regressed I think more even than anyone thought he would. And some of these other moves and free agents like they really upgraded the shooting. This is going to be a a great three point shooting team, and they brought back guys who helped them the year before, but just weren't able to perform similarly and they I thought this was a team that could win 44 45 games they ended up at 37 part of that was the defensive regression from the shooting lock and some of these not working out but I I do think you just especially because again they're kind of they're still on this weird path where there's not necessarily a direction for this team you got to really downgrade it quite a bit and we can go through some of the individual moves and and how they worked out but I think you probably have to end up saying that this was a a negative offseason for the in the end in terms of signings you definitely do um because so i mean uh, an easy calibrator on this is that kemba walker nerlens noel and alec burks collectively but also to an extent individually we're all traded as negative value contracts within the like within the time period 
So like we we know that that how those contracts age. Taj Gibson they d- basically declined that non guarantee. But the important thing that keeps the Knicks to me like so I have them below water but not dramatically is I think their draft looks good. And so Quentin Grimes at twenty five. Then they moved down. So they moved they went down from twenty one to twenty five, picking up a future second. They got Grimes. I think knowing what we know right now, that seems like a reasonable decision. I mean I like Grimes better than the players that they moved down like the move down cost them or cost them the opportunity to get um then they move from 32 to get 34 and 36 the arbitrage with the, with the th- with thunder jacobitis hasn't played yet but deuce mcbride interesting and then jericho sims looks like he might be a rotation big they got him at 58 and put him on a two-way so i would say their draft relative to where those players were taken worked out extremely well yeah, but, you got to feel good about that uh, for yeah. sure. And, and, Grimes looks and, like he's going to be a great pro for a and, long time. And here's the other hilarious thing that I think is a, a a reason to criticize the Knicks and to have them for blue water. As we look at it right now, if you kind of if you looked at it and you didn't know all the context, the best contract, free agent contract signed involving the Knicks was Reggie for for the team's perspective was Reggie Bullock, who is the guy who didn't sign with the Knicks. He signed with the Mavericks instead. And yeah, and so like Bullock's contract is more is more positive for the team than Kemba, than Fournier, than Randall, than Noel, than Derrick Rose, than Alec Burks. And he he's the only basically the only guy of consequence who left. And the Knicks really could have used him last year. They could really use him this coming year. Like as things turned out, Bullock would have been a great fit with the, you know, the Jalen Brunson era who he you know played with last year as things turned out and with the potential Donovan Mitchell era. Yeah. So they did well in the draft per usual. Everything else kind of went wrong. They didn't screw themselves that badly, though, on most of these contracts. They were able to get out of Walker and Burks and, and Noel. They still want to have rose around so that one's not necessarily a bad contract yeah it would have been nice to bring back block on essentially the exact same deal that alec burks ended up getting i'm not sure if he would have wanted to come back but they they now have quentin grimes who might be a better version of block in the end and the randall thing is going to be a big problem for them going forward but i still at the time i thought they did well there to get that i also would say julius randall accepting that instead of being like no i'm gonna play just as well and i'll get the max next offseason to for him to lock in was smart you know randall is probably overpaid now by maybe about 10 million a season for what he is i think he's gonna play better next year than he did last year although he may not have the same opportunity offensively i think i'll go so go down to d plus i mean so many of these signings just didn't work in the end but they also weren't the end of the world but they didn't work for last year when they were trying to win like that was the primary purpose was to be good last year and then maybe this year and the fournier deal is going to continue to be an albatross for them i i thought it was pretty rich for him at the time uh but it was kind of the going rate for these shooting guards of his ilk and a lot of those haven't worked out particularly well so i i think it's got to be a d plus i had him all the way up in an a minus before this i did the same grade change um a minus to d plus and i was positive on these deals they just happened they they all worked out worse than i expected but that counts too you know i can be wrong just like they can be wrong and i i so i'm giving myself a low grade in terms of how i evaluate their offseason and the fact that they offloaded three of these contracts as negative value already 
already. And then the they, the Evan Fournier one, they didn't do because they would have had to give up more is a pretty telling sign that those parts of it didn't work out. And in time, Quentin Grimes and McBride, Sims, maybe Jacobitis, like those guys can be more positive than some of those other things were negative. The assets they gave up weren't that good, but the Knicks wanted to be competitive. They had a real opportunity to spend and to, to do these things. And they, they, did, they didn't succeed. We can go to a team that had a very different offseason to the Knicks, and that would be the Orlando Magic. The Magic had already, they, the, the transactions already happened, so they walked into the 2021 NBA draft with the fifth pick and the eighth pick. They drafted Jalen Suggs fifth and Franz Wagner eighth. I, at the time, really liked one of those picks, and I really didn't like one of those <laughs> picks. Still true, just the opposite way, because Wagner had an awesome, awesome rookie season. And as much as it's like, oh, well, what, what should you have done with Kaminga versus Wagner? Wagner over everyone else who went below him, unless Zaire Williams really goes off, that looks very good. I mean, he's a, a wonderful player, had a great year, fits in defensively at multiple positions. And then Suggs, I think it's fair that his second his second year moving forward will be better than his first, but it was a pretty rough first year in terms of not only availability, but more importantly, just like generating good shots on offense for himself and others. Like that is well, a... I mean, what did he shot? What did he shoot for? It was something like whatever I think it is, it's going to be lower. Do you want to yeah. guess? I just looked it up. You know what? I think it's like 22%. 21. Holy shit. 42 of 196. What'd you say? 32 of 196? 42. 42. So I saw i think he had a game against the nets where he made like uh five threes in the first quarter might have been four so i saw basically 10 percent of his total made threes in one quarter <laughs> for the whole season but yeah that's I think he'll be better. I don't, hopefully, he's not just going to be a total non-shooter. He did look good defensively. Also, you have to be a little bit more lenient, like we said with Mobley earlier and Detroit, where if you pick the right guy, but it was the obvious pick, when you take the obvious guy and it's not the right pick, I'm not, I don't sort of give as much of a benefit of the doubt as I take away credit in the other direction because maybe you should have been thinking about it a little bit harder but they still did take the the obvious guy and they made up for it with Franz yeah. as well I mean I think there's basically the entire league would have taken Suggs there over Giddy I actually yeah I think I had Suggs above Kamingo let me see if, if that's right I did I regret it but I did oh uh, no I actually had Jonathan Kamingo above J Jalen Suggs on my board okay all right they're idiots <laughs> Uh, so the other big things that the Magic did, so we talked about the draft picks. They got Wendell Carter on a four-year, $50 million extension. I think they should be feeling very good about that. They did not extend Mo Bamba. And while Bamba got $10 million, he got a, a year. It's one year and a non-guarantee. I submit that that is more team friendly than he would have gotten via extension so i think that was the That's right true. decision and then how do you feel about jamal mosley one year in incomplete i think certainly there were times that i can't say i was too locked in on the magic the last two months or so as i try to focus in on the teams that aren't very actively tanking i can't say he did much to impress me but with this team and what their goals were i think he at least provided a good culture you know allowed wagner the space to develop reasonably 
reasonably well. So uh, Carter did well under his watch. I mean, the biggest reason he's being brought in is player development. And I think outside of Suggs, players took a step forward. Cole Anthony had some moments last year too. So I, I'm feeling eh, it seems about an average higher right now. We'll see though. The also brought in Robin Lopez, one year, 5 million. It seemed weird yeah. at the time. It continues to be weird. He's gone now. Okay. That was, yeah, that was, that, a thi- it was, that a, was so odd. It was a thing that happened. And, and then they didn't even like trade him or buy no. him out either. And, and speaking of that, another thing, oh, I only gave a slight demerit, but it's very possible that the 21 offseason was the last time that they could have traded Terrence Ross for positive value, and they didn't. I don't. I think if they could have traded him for positive value, they would have. I don't think there's much demand for him. It does not appear at, that at way. Making thirteen million a year. So, uh, yeah, I moved them up from a D to a B in significant part because of Wendell Carter. Like, because that was something that hadn't happened yet. Because like it, the draft in net is actually pretty similar to me. Why did but you give them a D? Because I hated the Franz Wagner pick, and I wasn't, I wasn't. But you liked Suggs. Yeah, but I. I, I mean, so who it, are you it, thinking they should have taken at eight over? Well, I, I also thought so. So I also thought that they, um, oh, um, I had Moody over Wagner. Hmm, interesting. Um, um, but but also like it, yeah. the other part of it was like it felt like a missed opportunity because they had spending power and that they could have kind of they could, they could have aimed a little higher and they didn't. But there also really weren't aim high targets in free agency last year, which coincidentally there also weren't again this year, which is part of why the Magic did what they did. Um, so maybe like it was taking on bad salary for assets or something like that because they are in this weird holding pattern, which they you know uh, in terms of roster stuff, not in terms of their talent. I think we know where they are in that perspective so there's a little bit of that that i didn't like at the time but i'm up to a b yeah i had a b minus initially suggs i thought could be pretty good i thought he might be like a kyle lowry type of player that seems pretty unlikely at this point but guys can improve their shooting it's uh they'll have to improve a lot though and and wagner was really good like he makes up for the failure at five but suggs was definitely the worst guy of the top nine you would even say so you can't feel great about that but wagner was was very good and the carter extension had a really nice year as a starting center not extending bombo was clearly the right move and this weird trade of number 33 for a 2026 detroit second from the clippers and cash and that yeah, became Jason Preston. but there are a lot of a lot of guys who went after that that could have been pretty good i guess maybe their thinking was oh we have too many young guys already but whatever like they could have figured that out i think so i think i'll probably I stick with the B minus. Uh, I would say uh, that seems about right to me. You know, Carter. The of the three biggest things they did that really mattered, there was basically Suggs, Wagner, and the Carter extension. And two of those three things were good. Wagner very much so. Mosley seems fine. That's the other big thing they did. That's like a C. So yeah, B minus seems about right for me. The Philadelphia- Sixers, I think, we're going to change a lot, huh? Oh uh, yeah, it, it moves somewhat significantly. So Philly, um, they re-signed Joel Embiid, four-year supermax extension. They also um, they retained Danny Green, and basically it was a choice between Danny Green or the or the full mid level because of the hard, because the hard cap and all that was a, a choice. And Danny Green, I thought, helped them more than a mid level exception player would have. He had that final year non guarantee, which actually ended up creating some utility for them because they guaranteed a significant portion of that and brought in Melton. But so Green helped them, and he got hurt in the playoffs. But that's yeah, the I thought I thought he did better for them. Corkmaz, three years, fifteen million. Drummond at the minimum. Nyan 
Yang two-year seven million. But other than Embiid's extension, which that was you make the correct offer and he if he wants to sign it, he does. And he did, which was the right decision for Embiid as well. The most important part of Daryl Morey's offseason was the decision not to trade Ben Simmons. And there are there will be plenty of ink spilled about James Harden and his eventual legacy with the Philadelphia 76ers. And we don't know exactly what was on the table for Ben Simmons in the 21 offseason. Knowing what we know, I think Murray has been vindicated by that decision to wait. It's worth going back and thinking about the chronology with Simmons. It certainly seemed after the pass that his time in Philadelphia was limited and probably over. I just assumed that the Sixers just wanted to trade him, and frankly, they probably did. And that may even have been what precipitated Simmons' own trade demand, which was made, I think, as we later found out at the Combine. Didn't come out until later in the summer, but we're talking about the whole offseason, so he was already holding out of camp by that point. And as you mentioned, Maury just held on to him, and that was a gambit. We don't know if anything else would have shaken loose at the deadline had James Harden not, which is, I mean, maybe it was foreseeable due to some tampering, but I don't think it was certainly in that offseason, which we're talking about here, that he would leave the Nets there's everyone just assumed he was going to extend for the maximum possible amount so yeah i think you got to give daryl morey a lot of credit for sticking to his guns he didn't wuss out when things got a little uncomfortable he wasn't like scared that no stars would want to come to philadelphia or like clutch would be really mad at him if he started fining ben simmons for not showing up and frankly the fact that ben simmons didn't play considering what ended up happening like with his back and that he could have still had free throw issues as well and the fact that he didn't play might have preserved his trade value yeah it's it's a it's a bizarre thought process but i think you're right so i had a c because they basically didn't do much uh, well, Jaden Springer at number twenty-eight looks like a complete loss. Yeah, that's a. It's a pretty big. It's a pretty big demerit for rel- not yeah. like I mean, for, I mean because I mean there was Derek Bodner had a piece at Daily Six talking about how like in a like kind of in a not a just world, but like that he might be the guy that gets cut on this like from the yeah, last. Yeah, and I were talking about that a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so that probably should he should be honestly. That's pretty. That's pretty damn. Or bad or, or more likely they will just dump him uh, yeah. to save room under the hard cap sure but like that's pretty damn bad for the 20 for the 28th pick in the draft we just talked at length about all the good guys taken in the 30s he was just never and maybe they felt like they could teach him to shoot and that was the theory and we've seen guys like that work out including herb jones below him but there certainly were guys this was a pretty good draft and to end up with a guy who looks like even someone like dayron sharp i think would probably be better than any of their backup center options for aldama aldama too would be he'd be in the mix with paul reed yeah so although Aldama is really really more of a four so they did get yeah, Charles sure. Bassey he may be in their rotation this year they just bought that pick remember they there was the drama of whether he would be on a standard NBA contract and there's talk of him just taking the required tender he ended up getting some guaranteed money in the second year so they were able to deal with that so but I think just because of the way they handled Simmons they didn't want to get hard capped obviously with uh the Danny Green thing they brought in Niang for the tax pyramid level that was fine Andre Drummond was a pretty good signing for them particularly when Embiid missed time and of course they brought back uh, Embiid as well this is uh, there is one guy they had Haywood Highsmith and mm-hmm. I think he's actually going to be good for the Heat this year but you know it took him a while to emerge so I, I don't downgrade him for letting him go too much yeah so I, I think I would have to 
I mean, was there anything really negative in the end? Springer. Yeah. Okay. So that's probably a B plus. Yeah. That's I what I did the, too. The big things were, with Simmons worked out. Here's another one where I was a little lower on it. Uh, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, one thing we have to mention that was key was they actually kept Masai Ujiri. Remember there was yes. that weird situation where someone in the ownership group was like trying to say that he wasn't worth it and stuff. And you know, thankfully they got past that and, and, and they re-signed him. That was, was pretty important. We talked about the Lowry for Dragic and Achu already in the Miami section. And that's one that kind of fluctuated where you're like, man, they took on Dragic. He didn't even end up playing for them. We thought at the time he well, would just be their backup point and, guard. And they also like, I mean, it's, I don't think Masai Ujiri could have predicted the time. They probably could have gotten something for Dragic if they had just immediately moved him somewhere else. I don't know, like the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I don't know. He, he was making 19 million. I'm not so sure about they, that. They definitely would have if they had taken on Dwight Powell's contract. Would they have been willing to do that? We don't know. Hmm. Yeah, that, that's an interesting one. So, but Dragic did expire this year and, and, and they need some, some of that space to do some of the things they did this year. But Anachua had a really rough start to the year, came on. I think he's, I don't know if he's even going to be a starter, but he fits into what they're doing. He, he made a bunch of progress after his comical start to the year shooting twos. He's a monster moving his feet. He started to hit some threes, plays in transition. So I think getting him in the end was worth taking on Dragic and participating in that sign and trade. There wasn't really anything else last year that they could have done with that money that would have been so sexy anyway that comes to mind for me uh so i thought that that was pretty good even at the time because i liked achua then i was down at him now i'm back up on him again trent's two plus one uh in the 52 million dollar range 54 million dollar range that one they kind of lost both ends of that where they paid him market value but also didn't get him under contract for longer and that his contract situation coming up this off season where he can opt out and they also can't extend him if he does opt out is that's not ideal you know they kind of just seem like they couldn't negotiate it harder there to me yeah at least to do it like a, a three-year deal or a three plus one or something yeah because not having trent jr be extension eligible is a challenge for them and then they also they, they kept chris boucher by picking up his non-guaranteed seven million and then they signed kind of forget about this now because of how small he was in the rotation ken birch three years 20 million dollars and yeah he, he started for them in the playoffs but he uh didn't finish didn't finish That's didn't sure. finish um and they uh the dra- and then the other big thing that has has yeah I mean, we're, we're putting the, the cart before the horse here is, is the draft and horse. you and i were both very low on scotty barnes going into that process and while i would say we are still lower on scotty barnes than the consensus we have still moved significantly higher since then because scotty barnes had a great rookie year yeah i think so and even if if i were doing a redraft i would probably have barnes still fourth on my board but everyone was saying they should take sucks at that point and i was saying they should have taken sucks or kaminga i would not say that now there's a possibility kaminga could still end up better than barnes but i don't think that's particularly likely and barnes was way better and certainly has a better makeup than kaminga i would say as well so uh, i would have to with the achua thing having worked out pretty well well trent they didn't do a perfect job but everything else was pretty good so i i would go a minus here yeah i originally had a b plus but i think i should factor in the ujiri retention a little bit more than that and i'll move it up to an a minus as well um wait so you had a b plus originally no 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 b plus on my regrade oh, no, oh i had, oh, a, I had a like c minus five seconds originally. ago okay yeah um and and there is a criticism that i've levied on the raptors before and i think it's still relevant that they've been committing to a vision of the team that is just so different i mean like they're they're good but they're not elite and i you know do you want to be in that place but it appears they do and we don't know the road not traveled like how 
I because they're probably too good to tank because of like you know they have so many good players with Siakam and Van Vliet and they have Nick Nurse as their coach. They were able to do it to get Scotty Barnes on a, the season from hell in Tampa. But how much resources would they do? And and I mean with how the way the rate that these young guys are improving, maybe they can like if if Barnes can be the the bridge, then maybe they can get to that level that they really want. You know, like competing for a conference finals and everything else. I'm not sure they'll get there, but I am more comfortable with the idea than I was a year ago. And we can conclude this with the Washington Wizards. We loved the Wizards offseason originally because they did uh, two. the two biggest things were trading Russell Westbrook for Contavious Caldwell-Pope, Kyle Kuzma, Montrezl Harrell, and the 22nd overall pick. That still looks fantastic. And then they gave up two seconds and a swap right to pay Spencer Dinwiddie $54 million over three years with the final year being partially guaranteed. And they also fired Scotty Brooks, hired Wes Unsell Jr. We'll talk about that. And then in terms of the of draft stuff, they had the 15th pick and they took Corey Kispert out of Gonzaga. They had the 22nd pick, moved down to 31 to add Aaron Holiday. That part didn't work out particularly well. And then they also extended Daniel Gafford three years, 40 million, which doesn't kick in for a couple of years. It was the same thing as Terrence Mann, where he was on a minimum contract, but it was an eventual extension. Yeah. So the Westbrook trade still looks absolutely amazing. They I think it looks even more amazing yeah. for them than it did. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because like, and I think Westbrook would have had a worse year for them this like in twenty in twenty one twenty two than he did in twenty twenty slash twenty one. No, I, I think that's right. And he he may have become tight. He would have had plenty of chances to just play the same way he played the, the previous season. But yeah, I, I clearly moving on from him was a great move, even if supposedly he was the one who pushed for it. But yeah, so getting number twenty two, which they eh, kind of squandered immediately. <laughs> but uh, in true you know, in I, true. I, wizards fashion yeah the hall moving down from 22 isaiah jackson to get holiday who was gone before the trade deadline and isaiah todd i'm not we, we talked about him in summer league i'm not totally giving up on him but he doesn't look like he's going to be an impact player uh, for them and they get, had to give up a couple of seconds and a second round swap to get dinwiddie and dinwiddie didn't work out but they were able to include him in the porzingis trade and porzingis actually looked pretty decent for them quietly last year and and i think he's he may be a ticket for them to establish their goal or, or accomplish their goal of, of being slightly more competent and back in the the play-in mix this year so uh, you know the Dinwiddie thing it didn't work out for them to win games last year but it was uh, ended up being a fine contract they kind of had to dump it for negative value but it, it worked out okay and then this Gafford extension you know we'll see on him with that three for 40 that actually doesn't kick in until next year right so he had two years left on that and then but then he goes three years beyond that so you're kind of locking him up for his prime years and i think he's got some potential salaries are going to inflate for it because of how long that goes that seems like it's okay although he's kind of i'd give it above, i'd give it an above average grade like, right now even yeah. with his flaws yeah i'd say it's kind of more on, on the average but then taking kispert at 15 you know, it seems like they're very satisfied with him you know when tommy was on the show he was talking about him like he was one of the accomplishments and i just i, I can't say that i really see it from him like he's just not the level of shooter to me that he needs to be to be an impact player and i he was you know making 35 percent and taking 6.4 per 36 minutes which is below the positional average for a shooting guard and he's not really a plus defender at either spot he'll try but he's not a plus at either spot and you know i don't think he's on the road to becoming like joe harris which was kind of the hope he had he's very efficient from two but he's not taking that many shots only 15 percent usage he's 
an offensive player never gets to the foul line an offensive player but just not really wowing you there and there are a lot of good players available in that range i think he's probably one of the the worst guys that was taken from the 15 to 25 range to me and also just again not having the upside just a low vision pick as you would say probably is the same with johnny davis this year sure i would agree with that how are we feeling about west Unsolved? Uh, you know, I, I don't think he did anything poorly last year. They started off so well and then uh, fell off, but their personnel was pretty miserable. Beal was out after a while too. They, they played reasonably well without Beal. I, I think he's, I, I would put that as a C for now. Yeah. I, I wish they're like, one of the weird things about the Wizards defense was that they never forced any turnovers, but I also don't know who they had. I mean, other than KCP. <laughs> yeah. Nobody other, other than KCP. So yeah, they could have extended Aaron Holiday. They didn't. That was probably the right move there i mean trading for him wasn't but not extending him was right so i had an a minus for these guys because i really liked the dinwiddie acquisition and getting off of westbrook and getting that pick was really good but then they kind of squat as we look back on it now they squandered the pick harrell isn't there anymore either but caldwell pope they're able to flip him for morris like he and barton so those guys can be part of what they're doing kuzma we can also throw in not trading bradley beal for the 97th consecutive year they also did not extend Beal. They would have loved to have, but Beal, of course, waited and he uh, got that no trade, which is genius to wait until then. He got every single thing that he possibly could have wanted this year. So it's not on them that they couldn't extend him, but I might have also considered trading him when I couldn't extend him. I, I, I had, I didn't have that in my notes. I'm happy you mentioned that because we need to keep their tradition going. So yeah, I, like getting off of Westbrook was was genius, but there still is no, you know, it opened up all this flexibility, but they didn't use this flexibility to rebuild or do anything else or to like keep bail on a contract where he could later be traded so this all in the moment there were moves that made sense and so one of which even the westbrook trade was brilliant but it didn't really get them anywhere in the end so i think all and the dinwiddie thing didn't look as good as we thought it did so and, and kispert is exactly what we thought he was not really very sexy there so i guess i would go down to like a c plus in the end i went from an a minus to a b and i you know the creating some Something out of nothing when you consider how stuck they would have been if they didn't make the Westbrook trade or honestly some of the Westbrook trades they could have made that that to me is enough to to prop them up I mean Kuzma is going to help them they got something positive they got a good year out of KCP but they also got positive value from him after Harold that's fine and they and Gafford I think that's going to be a reasonable contract so I'm, I'm at a B a B for them but it still is it's it's a disappointing B because they started out like the first and especially because chronologically it was the first thing they did was so good and then everything else just didn't live up to it yeah because if you think about the overall direction of the franchise and just where they would be this year if they held on to westbrook rather than making this deal like okay they got the pick while they squandered that uh and then they all right you know fine you you, you've got these some decent guys and maybe they're probably in better position to make the eighth seed this year than they would be if they hadn't made the westbrook trade but the overall direction of the franchise is we thought this could maybe be a transition for them moving into a new era but in the end it just isn't and they've got you know some competent guys and they've got some decent depth now and so they they could be a decent team and they'll maybe they could even get to 45 wins if everything breaks right for them but uh, again it's really you know to be okay they might have been at 33 wins versus 42 wins like i and then some of most of the the long-term stuff that they did didn't really help uh, that much so i think yeah c plus but just kind of disappointed that we're again uh, on this 
same treadmill with them. All right, shall we sum up here? Let's do it. Uh, we'll start back at the top of the alphabet. The Atlanta Hawks, I went from an A- minus on my original grade to a B on my regrade. Yeah, I went from a B plus to a B for them. The Celtics, I had a B initially. I went up to an A plus uh, after they made the final. B minus to straight A. The Nets, I had a B initially, and I moved down to a D. I went from a B plus to a C. And then the Charlotte Hornets, I went from a D to a D minus. I got angry again about the Caleb Martin release or whatever. C minus for me initially for them moved down to a D with the the draft looking so bad. The D draft. Sorry. Have to get all these in because I'm going to be I'm not going to be on dunked on for a little while. Um, the Chicago Bulls, one of the bigger changes going from a D plus to a B plus on the strength of how well DeRozan worked out and a lot of the theory of the team stuff from Arturis. Yeah, and their signings outside of that looking pretty good as well. So D to B plus for me there. Cavs, I had a D initially, moved them up quite a bit to a B plus. D plus to B for me. The Detroit Pistons, I had it a C minus, just kind of ambivalent about it, and I move that down slightly to a d plus exact same for me the indiana pacers i was very high on originally gave them an a minus and i'm still high on it but a little bit lower for a b plus yeah i started at b plus and then went down to b minus for them after a year miami heat i was at a c minus but on partially the strength of their season and the strength of their depth c minus up to a b plus B minus is where I started, and I'm now to B plus as well. Bucks here was at a C minus, and the same critic the same criticisms I levied ended up becoming more salient in the second round of particularly the playoffs. Honestly, to a little bit in the first round too. Um, so C minus to D minus. Yeah, I went from a C to a C minus to a D, and then the Knicks I had an A minus initially, went down all the way to a D plus. A minus to D plus for me too. Orlando gave them a B minus initially for uh, picking a direction and. And their draft seemed pretty decent to me at the time. Same thing on the draft, but just in a different order, I just stuck with the same B minus for them. I was originally low on Orlando's offseason, as we just talked about, mostly due to the Franz Wagner pick. I was wrong there. I have, And also they got the Wendell Carter extension. I upgraded from a D to a B. Uh, Philadelphia six, 76. Yeah, sorry, Sixers. Um, I originally gave them a C minus. It was kind of a also like a TBD grade just because we didn't know what in the world was going to happen with Simmons. And that C minus is now a B plus. Yeah, I went from a C to a B plus there. Raptors, D plus in large part because I didn't care for the Barnes pick. That was wrong. And so I'm up at an A minus now. I went from a slightly higher C minus to an A minus. And then for the Washington Wizards, I was at an A minus, loved the Westbrook deal, thought all the other stuff was going to work. Dinwiddie didn't work out as well. Draft doesn't look as great. So A minus to a B. Yeah, and I went from an A minus down to a C plus for the Wizards. All right, we can say au revoir to Danny for a while. We're going to start bringing in local journalists uh, to look at the seasons for all 30 teams going forward here. So I hope you will consider subscribing to Dunked on Prime. And we're still going to be aiming for about four hours a week or so uh, of content. Hope to see you all soon. Till then.